Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Bartholomew, and we maybe are wondering why did we hear a passage from the Gospel of John about Nathaniel? <laughs> well, in our tradition, Nathaniel is Bartholomew, okay? So the ancient Jews, they had lots of different names. They had Greek names, they had Hebrew names, they had different names uh, by the different contexts in which they moved in the circles they moved amongst, and different periods of their life, time periods of their life, they might have been known by different names. So in our tradition, this is who we're looking at here. We're looking at Bartholomew. So Nathaniel Bartholomew, it's very interesting. I, you know, I, I kind of pause when we come to these, uh, day, these days, feast days that, and we go through each 12 of the apostles throughout the course of the year. But the reality of the, of the matter is that as far as the scriptures are concerned, and really, and as, as far as like, as very solid, historically reliable tradition is concerned, there's not a whole lot known about the 12 apostles apart from uh, Peter. We know a lot about him. Uh, we know a lot about St. Paul, of course, uh, but he's not really technically one of the 12. So when it comes to the other 11 apostles, it's always a little bit, it's kind of an interesting thing where, you know, we're celebrating, we're making a big deal out of these guys that in some ways we don't know a whole lot about. And uh, I think there's a sort of a lesson in that, something very, very important in that. Because if you look at the other theme here of our texts today, like in our responsorial psalm, we say, your friends, O Lord, make known the mysteries of your kingdom or something to that effect. But it basically is your friends, okay? So the apostles are known as the friends of the Lord. And they have this close personal relationship with him. And we see that in our gospel. That's very, very clear, okay? So you've got this, these bands of, uh, these circles and groups of very zealous young Jewish men who were waiting for the kingdom of God and they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And it was believed in Jesus' day at that time, many Jews, probably for about 200 years or so, there was a time period of very intense uh, expectation of the coming of the Messiah. And they were that expectation was based on certain Old Testament prophecies, especially coming from the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is one of the rare books in the Old Testament that kind of gives a timeline and actually gives years as to when the Messiah will show up. And there's different ways of calculating those years, so the, the ancient Jews speculated. And they were within the ballpark when they thought the Messiah is going to come at some period, and they were thinking, you know, 50 B.C., 100 A.D., something like that. So they were correct for the most part, at least in the ballpark. So there's this intense fervor of desire and, and, and expectation that the Messiah is going to come. These guys were very pious and very zealous. Uh, we know from the Gospel of John, it's implicit in, in a very subtle and interesting way that, that uh, John, son of Zebedee, as well as what was another, another one of the 12 apostles was a follower of John the Baptist. Okay, so they were first disciples of John the Baptist before they became disciples of Jesus. And it was actually John the Baptist kind of pointed them towards Jesus and said, go and follow him. So the point is that they were following John the Baptist as a sign that they were really expecting the coming of the kingdom of God. And they were really, had all of this religious zeal and fervor in a good sense. And uh, here they come and they find Jesus and they're so hopeful, they're so filled with hope that he's the Messiah, and you can see Bartholomew here, and he's he's you know right off the bat he wants to believe actually you know Jesus gives him just a little bit of a, like a breadcrumb 
miracle, you know, that he's got special knowledge that, you know, he saw him the other day under the fig tree and he wants to pounce on that and he wants to, and he's hoping, uh, that Jesus is the Son of God, is the Messiah. And we see this theme here as well, uh, where, um, Philip says to Bartholomew, well, if you don't believe me, why don't you come and see yourself? And so we've got this theme in, in all the Gospels, but especially the Gospel of John. The apostles being friends of Jesus, they're close. They have this close personal relationship with him. They spent three years or so uh, with him every day, okay, getting to know him deeply and intimately. You have that personal knowledge. And then Jesus from there would send the 12 out to evangelize the whole world. Now, quite, can you imagine that? That's quite a task. Okay, so you're going to go and you're responsible now for evangelizing the entire world. <laughs> 12 guys. The entire world. Uh, I, that would scare the, scare the living daylights out of me. I don't know about you, but it's really a big job that he gave them. Uh, and he didn't expect them to perform that job in a kind of a remote mechanical fashion, but that when he said to them, make disciples, he wanted to, he wanted the twelve apostles to extend the same relationship with others that he had with them. So it's about a personal relationship with the apostles. And, uh, the church is so big, and it would become very quickly so big that having a close, intimate, personal relationship with everybody in the church and with all the leaders, I mean, it's not possible. It's not possible. I'm always amazed by, I, I, I'm in a parish for three, four years, and I'm trying to learn everybody's name, and <laughs> I'll say to one parishioner, hey, you know, you know, so-and-so, Joe, the other day, and they're like, who's, who? It's like, I'm like, I've been here three years. You've been here like 40 and you don't know who this guy is? It comes to, you know, the church is a big place, okay? Even a parish can be kind of a big place. And we don't have that personal connection. But you know what? We're called to have that personal connection. And moreover, we're destined to have that personal connection, okay? When we say the church is apostolic, Okay, what we mean by that is that it's founded upon the apostles, and we see that in our passage from Revelation. Okay, the foundation of the New Jerusalem has got the 12 names of the apostles on it. The apostles are so important to the church. Okay, they established it. They set it in motion across the ages, and they did that in many ways. Uh, it's very important to confess that we believe and adhere the apostolic preaching uh, or teaching. Uh, it's not that the apostles kind of, there was this a recent kind of idea that, that's in academia and it's kind of trickled down into the pews, is, you know, the apostles, the kinda, they kind of had like some good ideas about God, but they, you know, we believe, you know, we've advanced beyond them. <laughs> They're kind of old-fashioned. They believe a lot of things that, you know, we really don't believe anymore. They taught a lot of things that, you know, we just don't believe, so forth and so on. That's, that's really not the case, okay? What we believe currently as Catholics, we also believe that that's what the apostles taught. It's very important to get that, that they're foundational authorities for us. So, they're at our beginning, but what else, the other thing that we learn from our first reading from Revelation is that they are our future as well, okay? And so we go back to this idea, we're talking about this guy we don't know a lot about. But you know what? We are going to know a lot about Bartholomew. Okay? In the resurrection. In the world to come. 
That's when that vocation to have a personal relationship with the apostles and with all the members of the church, that's when that's going to be definitively realized. Now, we, we, we can and we really should do our best to start that now here on earth, but we realize it's just there's physical and temporal limitations. You can't be friends and have a personal relationship with everybody. It's impossible. Okay, But we can begin it now with the understanding that it will find its fulfillment in the world to come. In the world to come, each one of us, which is a deep, deep mystery, will be the subject matter of each one of our growth and knowledge and contemplation. We will get to know each other for eternity in a very, very, very deep way. And I, I, I can't ever stress that enough because it's a great antidote to people uh, stereotyping one another, putting each other in boxes, writing each other off, dismissing each other, and it's the source of all the division that we have to combat within the church. That each one of us as a person is a deep mystery. And we're even oftentimes a mystery to ourselves. Okay, God has plumbed the depth of the mystery that is that is that is me, for example, or that is you. He has, we have not, and we will only begin to plumb the depths of one another's personal mystery in eternity. And so we get someone like Bartholomew. Well, we don't really know a lot about him, but he's evidently super important. He's one of the 12 guys whose names are written on the foundation of the church. That's a big deal. Okay, So though he is a mystery to us now, we will plumb that mystery for eternity and we will see how these 12 men, all the temptations and the trials and the good choices that they made, perhaps sometimes some bad choices, but mostly because they're great saints, good choices that they made and how their lives are the very fabric and the intertwining connective tissue and muscle and bones of the entire organic body of Christ that has stretched over 2,000 years of Christian history and beyond. Who knows how much longer until Christ comes. We could be here for another 2,000 years. Okay, But it's going to be at the very end revealed how these 12 men are the... Uh, the fabric that stitches us all together and connects us together. And there's going to be some people who are deeper mysteries than others, but we're all going to be mysteries that we will each plumb and, and travel into and learn about deeply in a personal and intimate way for all eternity. So just like we can't write off St. Bartholomew, the application for us, practically speaking, in the here and now is we can't do that with one another. Okay? We are each one of ourselves a mystery to ourselves and to each other. And there's a certain kind of reverence and respect that we have to have before everybody else. This this ties in, you know, we talk a lot about racism nowadays and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the deepest thing that we have in common with each other is the fact that we're each one of us personal mysteries waiting to be revealed and it's of significance that we might be black or white or of a certain ethnicity or whatever. That's not meaningless, but that's not certainly the deepest part of who we are and the most important reality that we're facing. That's why we've got to uh, really respect every human being as that personal mystery and never write each other off. And there's a kind of a quiet, contemplative reverence that we have to have for each one of us, for each one of us. 
because we're all called to eventually, not now, we can't do it, we're called to be friends with each other for eternity. So important, when people talk to me about forgiveness, like I have a hard time forgiving this person, so forth and so on, I always say to them things like, well, you know, there's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. And, you know, I just finished uh, an audio book of a story of a woman who uh, had to make some hard decisions, and she has basically cut her, she, she has separated herself from her um, very radical survivalist Mormon family that she grew up with in Idaho. And the book is, uh, that's uh, Tara Westover is her name. Um, and uh, it's very sad and tragic, but she's learned how to forgive and to, to love her family, but yet because they're, they're crazy, they really are crazy, her father in particular, very, very sad separation that had to take place between her and her father. But what I always say to people when it comes to forgiveness, can you say in your heart, in your own conscience and before God, I want to be friends with that person for eternity. I want them to be saved. I do actually want them to be part of that new Jerusalem. I respect them as a personal mystery. They don't even understand themselves. They're sick. They have problems, whatever it might be. I've got my own problems, and they do too. Can we say that about each other and really mean it? And then that way kind of forgive and to let go of various offenses and say, I really do want to know them for eternity. It might not be able to happen right here and right now, but eternity I want to. I want to be friends with them. My brothers and sisters, let's remember about the friends of Jesus and what Jesus called his personal friends to, to do, which is to extend that loving personal relationship to the entire world so that humanity would actually be unified instead of at each other's throats and arguing and differences and I'm not talking to you and I'm mad at you and da 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 Okay? It's a little bit what I preached about, you know, yesterday at Sunday Mass. May it be so for us through the prayers of St. Bartholomew.